Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here, as always, on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. Again, it can be their time as a high school coach, a college coach, a pro coach, an AU coach, a coach in Slovakia, just whatever they consider to be their greatest game. We are efforting those Slovakian coaches as we speak. We never know what's, uh, what's going to come down the hopper. But I tell you what, we're going back to my hometown. I think it was Eric Church that spoke about and sang about my hometown. And our guest from episode six, Brett Carey in Indiana, Indiana State, would be excited to hear me reference that song. But we're going to Sumter, South Carolina. And the head coach has just finished his first year at Sumter High School. Brian Brown, welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Hey, guys, man. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I'm excited to be here, ready to get started, man. Now, Brian bragged that it was his hometown, but he did not go to Sumter High School. He was not cool enough. We'll edit this part out, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. I don't know if I could get into Sumter High. You know, I, I, I just, yeah, I always, honestly, I always wanted to go to Sumter High. I took the SAT at Sumter High. Does that count? I made my 10-10 and got, got enough to get into USC at Sumter High. So I've got a, a warm spot in my heart for Sumter High for sure. Right. What was the name of your high school? I can't remember the name of your high school. Wilson Hall, a great Wilson, Wilson Hall. That's it. Yeah. I can't Wilson Hall is a pretty good school. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, and seriously, Brian, the, the, the reality is like I, I was a Wilson Hall guy. I was a, pub, a private school kid. I had no shot to play basketball at, at Sumter High or any, any public school in Sumter. So thank goodness for a Wilson Hall where I could just run around as a, a six-foot-one post guy and run around and play a little bit of basketball. <laughs> Maybe yeah, set some screens, dive on some loose balls, you know, That's that kind right. of stuff. Take a few charges, not going to block any shots, anything like that. But anyway. So, Coach Brown, why don't you take us through uh, your coaching resume, your basketball resume, and how you got to where you are today? All right, good, good. Um, well, um, I was fortunate. Uh, I, I, I was able to, um, you know, start off coaching with some some really uh, uh, some some Hall of Fame coaches. Uh, my, my my career started off as soon as I got out of college. I went um, played with my high school coach. I played at Lower Richland High School, and I played for Coach Carl Williams, the late Coach Carl Williams, um, who was a, a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, you know, he was one of the top coaches in South Carolina and I, I was uh, fortunate to learn a lot from him. I think I learned most of the stuff uh, while I was playing for him and uh, I learned a lot of other things from him once I started working for him. Um, so I, I was fortunate that's, that's how I started and I also had an opportunity to work with uh, the late coach Chip Atkins who was uh, also another legendary coach in South Carolina. Um, Chip Atkins, uh, I think he was like fourth or fifth on the all-time wins list, list in South Carolina. Oh, he was a uh, coach of the year at uh, at one point. Um, I think it was maybe 04, 05 um, when he was at Lower Richland. And, um, so I, I was blessed to have the opportunity to work with, with guys, and I was, I was groomed by some legendary coaches, uh, which, which I was able to steal a lot of, lot of knowledge uh, to feel into, you know, my success in my programs that I've been a part of. Um, I was able to build my my my, um, my my beliefs off of off of those coaches. Um, you know, my personal beliefs want to be discipline. The second would be communication, and the third would be uh, commitment. Um, you know, so that, that's just 
the, the things that I, that I took from those guys and then I've implemented it into to what to my system. So I started off as a B team coach. Um, then I became a varsity assistant at Lower Richland. And um, then I went to Lakewood High School with uh, Coach Terrence Griffin. He was assistant coach there and ended up taking over the JV team there. And, and he ended up leaving and going to Sumter High to be a uh, AD at Sumter High. And then that's when I took over the Lakewood program. Um, uh, so, you know, while at Lakewood, you know, we were fortunate enough, you know, Lakewood was a, was a nobody. And no, no one really knew about Lakewood. Funny thing, the first year we made the playoffs, played in a game against some referees that I knew about, that I knew of. Um, they were ref- when, I, when I was playing, you know, and they asked a question. They said, uh, you know, where is Lakewood? And I was like, you know, wow. You know, these, these were experienced referees. And, uh, you know, we were at OW. And when they asked the question, I was like, it just blew my mind that, you know, that some referees that, that know sports, you know, you know, didn't didn't know where Lakewood was. So um so the school was wasn't really known when, when we first started and uh we were able to build a you know a really good program and uh I uh I uh, uh had some good times there and, and you know uh the, the community rallied rallied behind us and, and helped us in our success there and uh and then now I left Lakewood and then I'm at something high now and I'm, I'm glad to be there, you know, have a really good support staff there and, and I'm enjoying it. You mentioned some absolute legends in South Carolina basketball. So Brian, you know that we, this, the show is spanned from New Jersey to Georgia, North Carolina and all, all over the, the Southeast and kind of up and down the Eastern seaboard. So for folks that aren't familiar with South Carolina basketball, Carl Williams, Chip Atkins are two of his legendary coaches in South Carolina. And for you to get to play and coach with those guys is, is huge. And, and even Terrence Scriven, we'll mention him on the air again too. I tell you what, he's a, I know he's a great coach. He makes a great AD. He keeps me rolling every time. I get to see him at a at an AD meeting or something like that, and so I know he's doing great things up in the Upstate too. But I tell you what, I love your your beliefs of discipline, communication, and commitment. Um, tell me more about how you develop develop those beliefs and how you really instill those beliefs in your teams now. Yeah, um, you know, with, with with discipline, I think that's something that just takes place once you know once we set our standards and you know our expectations. Um, discipline pretty much take care of itself. Um, but communication is something, you know, with this new generation, um, you know, we, we all know how important communication is and, uh, when it deals with uh, success. Um, you know, that's, that's, I think that's one of the toughest things that we have to work on is getting guys to communicate and understand the importance of communication. Um, so um, that, that's something that we do. We try to do a lot of different exercises, uh, especially early on in, in the year. Uh, you know, just get guys communicating in, in whatever shape, form, or fashion we can. Uh, but the most important one to me is commitment. You know, I, I just think that you know being all in to something is 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 is, is so important um, when it talks when we talk about success. Um, so so just just the, uh, you know the commitment piece is the hardest piece is getting everyone to buy in and no one have you know outside agendas. Um, when you get everybody to you know to focus in on one vision and, and one common goal. I, I think that's pretty much the recipe um, uh, for success. And then that's something that we really, we really preach is, is being totally committed. You know, there's only one degree of commitment and that's total, you know, 99% isn't good enough. You can't call it commitment once you're 99% in it. So that's something that we, we kind of preach as a staff and, and it's been working for us. Bill Parcells always said the, um, um, I just had it and I lost it. And Bill Parcells would say, um, there's, there's, oh no, it's Pat Riley. I'm sorry. There's only two things when it comes to commitment. You're either in or you're out. 
There's yeah, no such right. thing as life in between. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's either in or out. If yeah. you're not in, then you're out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. This is a question, Coach. We, you know, we, we come up with these questions and we write them down and we ask coaches different questions. I do not think we've asked this yet. Tell me about one person or event that's had the most influence in your life. Just a real mm-hmm. light question, you know, just kind of like, what's the weather? And then, <laughs> then there's that question. So go ahead. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for that question. That was actually a really good one. Um, uh, I think the, the one person, I, I will go with the one person, um, I would say is uh, my high school coach. Um, he was the person that taught me discipline. Uh, he was the one that, um, that gave me, you know, taught me to communicate, taught me to buy in, um, taught me to believe um, in myself. Um, so I really believe that without him, I wouldn't be where I am now. Um, I, I learned, you know, you know, he was very strict, you know, back in the days, you know, I, 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 my high school coach, you know, we, we had to have our shirts tucked in, you know, we had to speak a certain way. We couldn't, we had to call him by his name. We had to say coach, you know, Williams, we couldn't say he said it's other things that we just couldn't do. And then the discipline was, you know, we couldn't wear hats. It was, it was just, we, we couldn't do a lot. And, and just learning the values of, you know, after I left high school, went to college and came back and worked with him and, and understood that he was, he was only teaching us. And, and, you know, he really wasn't that much of a, of a, of a, you know, a, a butthole is kind of what we thought he was when we were in high school. We, he, he really did it to shape us and mold us. And um, once I realized, you know, why he did it the way he did it and, and, and why his teams and, and, and all of my, my uh, teammates, you know, became successful. When I look back at the whole thing, you know, that, you know, he just, he strategically did those things just for us to be successful. And, um, you know, so I, my, my hat, you know, I, I find myself doing the same thing with the kids that I coached that he did for me. And, um, you know, that, that's somebody that I appreciate. And I think that he laid the foundation for me to, um, to do what I'm doing. And, 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 and I love it. That's, that's awesome. When you talk about those little things like tucking in your shirt and things like that, we've had, well, coach Rosefield, first of all, I, when any practice I ever saw him coach, a kid was never allowed to miss a line on any drill that we ran. If they missed a line, he would start it over. Right, uh, right. Legendarily co- led the legendary coach Glimpf. He used to tell us about when he blew a whistle, everybody had to stop. He didn't blow the whistle right. twice. He didn't, you know, Everybody had to stop immediately. And then we had a young coach from New Jersey on one of our early episodes, Dan Agaro from Creskill High School. And he talked about that when someone comes in the gym that's not part of the program, every kid has to go over there and shake that person's hand. That's right. 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 Yeah. Th- those values, man, you know, you, you just can't, you can't get them. They unheard of now. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to, just to still be, you know, that, that stern and strict. But, um, you know, th- those values really shape me and um, – and shaped a lot of other um, other guys that uh that were fortunate enough to have a coach, you know, to push us the way that he did, and and, and have high expectations for us. Well, so you 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 answered my question a, a few minutes ago, and you said that these are the things that you instill in your guys now. Um, but I am curious that you know 
and, and Chris is right. When I was coaching, I was almost militant about, uh, and I almost chuckle when, when he says that about kids hitting lines and, you know, tucking in shirts and keeping pants right. up, walking around the hallways and stuff like that. But those mm-hmm. were the things that I believe that, and I still believe in that the little things that make the big difference And hearing you talk about coach Williams and, and your discipline and knowing you, how disciplined you are uh, as a person and as a coach, like those are the things that carry on. And that's why I believe this, why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. We all want to win and we all want to compete, but what are we doing to help kids grow? And even if it is down to, instead of just saying he saying coach, instead of, you know, missing a line, actually touching that line, those are the things. So I guess my question is, Brian, is there, has there been much pushback as, as we're coaching in 2020 uh, around some of those things that you're trying to implement? Or is, it, is, is there a lot of buy-in for uh, when you, especially when you got into Sumter uh, last year as a first-year coach? Yeah, well, well, I really believe it is definitely different. It's definitely not the same way. Um, I still carry some of the same principles. I believe it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Um, you know, these kids, you have to explain a little more. You know, back in the day, coach, coach tell you to do something. Of course, you run through a brick wall. You did exactly what he said. Well, the only difference is now that, you, you know, you, you know, the kids are smarter now. You know, they know more than we know. You know, um, well, they know a lot, you know. And, and back in the day, we knew that we just respected, you know, adults. And, you know, we didn't question them and we trusted them. And, you know, now, you know, the kids, you know, you have to explain a little bit more than, than, than you used to. So if you're willing to explain and go to the, to the level of the kids to reach them, you know, it, those same disciplines still work. Um, you just have to do them differently. Hey, Coach, I want to come watch a practice of yours or watch you coach a game because you, you're talking all about discipline. And I, and I believe that your kids have it. And you do not seem like the type of person that could even raise your voice, even if you wanted to. You have a very calm demeanor. I just look like this, man. You know, I, <laughs> I've known the, uh, people. People. Everyone says that about me, man. But when I get in my, my, I call it a mojo. When I get in my mojo, man, you know, I just turn into a different person, man. I, I love it, man. I just, you know, have high expectations, and 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 I just love the process of things and seeing things get better, and and, and it just, it's a, it's a joy to me to see it, to see it, uh, it grow and and. and and so, you know, I turn into someone different when I start coaching. <laughs> Tell us about uh, assistant coaches and what you look for, what you what you want to get from your assistant coaches. Oh, man. Um, first of all, I have a great coaching staff. Um, uh, I think that everybody has to bring something different, you know. Um, I'm more of the enforcer, you know, but I, I have a brains guy my head of operations guy that, that, that's young, that, that with relationships um, with the kids. And of course he's out there doing a little more demonstrations than I'm able to do now. Um, you know, I got, uh, I got, I want my coaching staff. I just want a different variety of, of people. Um, you know, I have an ex-head coach on my on my on my staff, and and I also have a um, a rah-rah guy, you know, someone that's you know that's really energetic, you know. So um, and and I got an analytical guy, you know. It's just just I just think in assistant coaches, you just want to have people that have different qualities and, and different things that they can bring to the table. And then I fortunately fortunately for myself, you know, I have I have a bunch of different different uh, skill sets on my coaching staff, and and I'm just blessed to have that. 
So then what do you do? You said you got an analytics guy, a motivating guy, you got an ex-head coach. <laughs> I, I just um, I just have the I, – I, I really just think the only thing I bring to the table is, is just, you know, maybe the experience and, and, and just the know-how to, to win, you know. But, I mean, I, I, my, my coaches bring a lot, man. Without yeah. my coaches, I'd I'll be dead in the water, man. That's so important, man. I and you see, I see it sometimes. I see coaches, and you look at their assistant coaches, and you're like, "What is that? Like, uh, like, is this guy? Why is he even here?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Well, I, I don't have any of those guys on my bench. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have I, everybody has a purpose, and and um and, and and I enjoy that part of of coaching, man. It makes it easier for you when you when you have different different skill sets. Well, and and that's. To me, that's good leadership too. You realize the value of surrounding yourself with with good people, oh, yeah. people that bring different things to the table. And I learned that. I think coaches, as they go on, at least at least for me, when I first came in, it's like I had all the answers. I knew everything that I needed to know, which of course was erroneous thinking. And then I start <laughs> figuring out, like, oh, this person knows about the, the the town that I'm in now, so let me bring him in, and he knows a little bit more. He might be able to soften my blow a little bit. And that's it's right. just that's like right. he's bringing people that actually, and it, it just helps the organization that's that good just that, that good organizational behavior really that, uh, right, that, that right. helpful helpful for everybody really that's uh, right, kids right. included so um so we we mentioned coach scriven earlier um and, and i know he's a great athletic director um what what do you look for i know this might not be a, let me word this a little bit differently what makes a good athletic director and maybe i'm asking for selfish reasons i don't know but what what makes a good athletic director for you Oh man, that's a good question. You know, Terry, you know, me and me and Coach Scriven talk a lot. Um, so you know, he, he he bounces a lot of things off of me. And of course, he has his own mind. I don't know how much he listens to me, but uh, you know, I've I so I've I've heard I have a, a little background in in that and 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 being an athletic director from just from listening to him. But to me, I just think an athletic director is supposed to work for the coaches. Um, supposed to listen to the coaches, supposed to provide for the coaches. Um I think that's really the biggest thing, um, you know, and, 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 and Brian, you don't need much of a, you don't need to know much. I, I, we already know what type of guy you are, man. You know, the way you run um, the Bojangles bash and, you know, it, you know, it, I just think it's a service job. It, you, you have to be of service to the people that, that that's working under you. Um, and, and I think that's the most important thing. Um, uh, you know, my athletic director, uh, Curtis Johnson, you know, he, he's, he's, he's definitely that type of guy, you know, he, um, he, uh, he he's he's a service guy. He, he tries to take care of us as much and, and make our make our jobs easier. Um, so I think that's really the biggest thing. And, and you know, um, it's just being support, you know, for your coaches uh, is, is really the biggest thing. I think once you once you do that, you know, everything else is, you know, it's, it's out of my hands. You know, things that the, that the principal or the school or the district may need or won't. You know, that's outside of my hands. But from a coach's standpoint, I think we just need someone that's going to support us and, and help make our job easy. Yes, the support so huge. You mentioned Curtis. He is one of the best. He, he and I, I guess when he got that job a couple of years ago, started talking on the phone all the time. And uh, so yeah. he, he's he's a – I think he might be more active than I am just running around. Every time I talk to him, it's yeah. like he's breathing he heavy. He has a lot of What's going on? Yeah, he does. He, <laughs> he does. He's, he's one of the good guys. But you're right. I mean, just wanting to be supported. Actually, right now, i got one of my assistant principals calling me, and, um, and that support is good. And it's a, that's a great yeah, thing. It it's, 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 it's much needed. So. Yeah. 
All right, mean? Coach. Now, now comes the moment of truth here. We call this the Greatest Games Podcast. We want you to tell us, and you said beforehand you may have a couple that they kind of ran together. So tell us about some of your greatest games as a coach. Yeah, so um, yeah, with John Morant, man, we we um, no, so in, in Sumter, man, it's 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 a it's a nice sized town, and it's a really it's really a basketball town. Um, so you know, Friday night games, Saturday night games, when uh Crestwood and Lakewood play, it's a big rivalry, sold out. Um, especially when John Morant was playing, um, those games were like electric. You know, I would be hoarse after every game. Um, and and, and you couldn't you couldn't hear anything. Um, so, so those games were like, like some of the best atmospheres you could play in, you know, being, I played at Lower Richland and, you know, we had some really good atmospheres, uh, in that, in that environment. But, um, you know, the, the Lakewood Crestwood game is, is second to none to me. Um, besides the, uh, Bojangles bash, I know there was some really, 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 really <laughs> intense games, uh, there, but, um, 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 I, I would definitely say that, that being a part of those games were, uh, were special uh, to me as a coach. Um, <clears throat> but the ones that were on TV, something something different came out. You know, when, when we played in those um, those Rusters High School Hoops games, um, and we played against Crestwood uh, the year after Ja left. Uh, it was at Murray State. Uh, that game was was like electrifying and and and. The Crestwood, I'm, and I have to be honest, Crestwood didn't, didn't win any region games. I think this was the last game of the region, and, and they were playing against us, and it was a rivalry game. And it ended up being a one point. We ended up winning the game by one point, to make a long story short. All right. Um, uh, you know, they just they just would not quit. We could not put them away, you know, and they and they hit shots, and, and you know, it came down to the wire, and uh, Grant was able to uh, – Grant Singleton was able to hit a shot late in the game to get us ahead, um, and and uh, and and we somehow pulled that game out. But uh, I, I think that was probably one of the most intense games that I've been a part of. Uh, one of the most unexpected games uh, with the outcome. I, I did I didn't expect the game to go the way that it did, and it, it was it was really a, a learning experience for me uh, of, of how to get your team ready uh, to play in a. Uh, um, in a rivalry game, and, and especially when, when you're favored uh, to win the game, and, and you're playing against a team, you know that, that has nothing to lose. Uh, that was my first time being in that in that type of uh, situation, and and um, you know my hat goes off to uh, to Tony Wilson, who was, who was the head coach at that time. Uh, you know they really did a really good job of uh, preparing their kids for us, and and then it was just you know a really hostile environment for us, and and, and like I said. We were fortunate enough to, to pull it out in the end, but uh, that that was probably the, the uh, one of the one of the games that that I'll never forget. All right, um, so I'm, I'm gonna move to you know. We, then we played against Lower Richland uh, in another game uh, the, the, the following year. Um, we were able to pull that one out. You know, I think it was uh, a, a nip and tuck game, but I'm gonna get to the one that that. Um, that happened when we when I got to something high, which is the third year, um, and we played against Blythewood. All right, so so going into this season, you know, we weren't even we, we were picked last in our region. Uh, Blythewood was picked, I think, but I think they were number one or maybe number two. You know, they have one of the best players in in the, in the state, probably in the, in the country uh, right now. I think he's right in the country. Um, and Julian Phillips, uh, and and um, you know, we played them the first the first go around and. 
first game in the region, and I think they beat us by 20-something points. You know, it was it was one of those games that we just couldn't get it together. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, towards the end of the season, you know, our season, uh, you know, our guys started believing in, in the system, and, you know, we, we were able to get our team rolling, um, you know, towards the end of the season. And, and, and when we played them in that rushes game at home, I think we were down by 15 uh, with uh, about 15 in the second, in the second quarter. And, um, and we, we just somehow chipped away, you know, and, and, and we were at a point where, you know, we were trying to get our fans, you know, to uh, out to the game. I think we gave away some tickets. So we, so we had a lot of fans and, and this is when, you know, kind of like the season took took a turn for us because we had a lot of fans that was rallying behind us. Um, you know, the school was behind us, administration, you know, everyone was there. And and when we got back in the game, it was just so much electricity in the gym. Um, and uh, we, we had senior senior leaders, uh, Marcus Lane and and um, and uh, our sophomore guard. We had three soft, sophomores that kind of. Uh, led our team last year, and Nakeem Isaac, Joe Durant, and uh, Leslie Owens. But uh, but Joe, Joe had a really really good game and and made some made an and one you know at the end of the game, and um, I think Marcus Lane hit a three with about three minutes left to pull us within one point, um, and uh, I think uh, towards the end of at the the last minute. Uh, the last second of the game, Marcus got fouled. I think it was a tie game, and Marcus got fouled um, and and uh, hit a free throw. And the funny thing about it is, when his mom, his mom was actually on the floor. It was it was a uh, it, it was it was one of those things when we watched the film at at the end of the game. Uh, his mom was actually on the floor uh, after he hit the, the uh, last shot, and, and and it was just a crazy environment. And it's just one of those games that I'll, I'll never forget. And and. Uh, it was the, the turning point of our season. You know, I'm trying to make this story <clears throat> as short as possible, but you know, it's, it was just one of those, one of those games that, that was electrifying. And I think it, it has uh, changed the atmosphere uh, for our program and our school and our community. And, and uh, ever since that game, you know, we went on kind of like a winning streak. I think we're like eight and three from that game. And then that game was a turning point for our season and, and got us in the playoffs and we actually made it to the second round. So, we, we definitely overachieved, overachieved in our first year, and and uh, and that game was was the pivotal uh, point of our season. You, Coach, you talked about uh, having the the backing of of the, the community and the school, and is that how you know when it's a bigger game? When you look down, and there's not just your athletic director, but then your principal sitting there, and the superintendent sitting there, and and there's a board member sitting there. You're like, oh, this must be an important game. The more the more guys in suits that sit down there, <laughs> it's yeah, like this. definitely, <laughs> definitely, and and it definitely sets the mold, man. You know, because it does so much for the kids. Because when the kids see it, it, it makes them want to play. And of course, that's coaches you know you know we, we, we're trying to get a season you know off the ground you know it's our first season so it, it, the game meant a lot and, and for it to be a televised game and, and all of the important people um are in attendance man uh and, and, and like I said we were down 15 and for us to rally back and you know win that game at in um and in, in front of a home crowd and, and we haven't we've had a kind of an up and down season um you know and that was how we bonded because when when we played like that in front of that crowd, I mean, my hat goes off. I, I can't thank you know the some the students 
enough because they came out and they were just electric the entire night. And, and, and they were a huge part of that win and a huge part of, um, you know, us, us being successful. What does it mean for you to come in as a first year coach, kind of back to some of the answers you were giving us earlier about discipline, you know, all, all the touching the lines, all the dress, all that kind of stuff to be able to come in as a first year coach. And I, I got to believe that some of those kids are kind of looking at you like, like, come on now, who is this guy? And then to come in and, and win a game of this magnitude in that fashion, like what, what did that do for you and, and this program as a whole? Oh man, it, it did a lot. And, and like you said, um, you know, Brian, it was, you know, they didn't they didn't really want to take the change. You've got a coach that's coming in. You know, we, we have a totally different system than, you know, than the, than the previous coach. And, you know, we were just demanding and asking a lot of the guys. And, and um, you know, my, and my, my hat just goes off to my team. Man, we, we didn't have any seniors. Um, we were led by uh, junior, uh, sophomores. Um, it, it, they didn't want to buy in in the beginning. And, um, you know, when they finally bought in, you know, everything just started clicking and, and it, it, it was just a sight, man. It, it, it was unbelievable because I really didn't think that we were going to get it turned around in our first year. But, you know, we ended our season, you know, really feeling like we could, we could fight, to, you know, to make it to the Coliseum. And, 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 and we legitimately felt like we had an opportunity. Um, <clears throat> and we, we lost in the second round in overtime. And, you know, we were just clicking and playing well, and, and, and we finally made it, you know, to that point, which is where every coach wants to be, you know, when, when you get in, uh, you know, you get in the region play. Every coach is coaching for, for Jan, in the January, early February, you know, that's when you want your team to start playing well, and, and it kind of happened for us in our first year, and, and then um, we, we were very excited as a staff. Well, and I know that's a big deal for Sumter, too. I know we were joking earlier about me not going to Sumter I, but being a Sumter guy, knowing how big athletics is in Sumter, and to be able to give back to the days of Byron Kenny, just the, the uh, Nate Livesey's, right. like there, there's been a huge and a wonderful history of basketball in Sumter. And so to be able to come in in a year and turn around like that so quickly, I know meant a whole lot to the community, whether they're Sumter High fans really or not. It's just, it's a, it's a big deal in Sumter. It's a different place. It is. It really is, man. So, um, you know, like I said, man, it was, it was, it was great. You know, I, I couldn't ask for more from from my guys, and, and um, you know, I, my hat goes off to my coaching staff who, who really did a lot. You know, coach, it's not coaching anymore to me, man. I think it's counseling more than it is coaching. You know, <laughs> we, we went through we went through a lot, man, and, and but I, I'm glad it all paid off. Well, coach, what do you say after a game like that? I mean, I'm sure you don't want to overhype it too much, but you want to let them know the importance of a win against, you know, a school like that, 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 that's having a good season, has a great player. So how do you balance, you know, not being too overhyped? I mean, in the moment, you're probably pretty hyped, but the next day at practice, like, okay, that was a win, but we got to move on. How do you balance that? Um, I think, I think the balance, I think it was easy to balance because, I think the kids, we got the kids to the point where they were willing to just say, you know what, we're tired of fighting you, coach. We see you're not going to give up. And I think they was like, we're going to try it your way. And it worked. And it all happened. It was timing. It all worked out at the same point. They, they, we were just going back and forth. We're, we're going to continue to expect, have high expectations for you. We need you to do it the way we're asking you to do it. And they were kind of pushing back. And I think they were at a, at a breaking point where they were just willing to, you know, accept the coaching and, and, and accept that, you know, know that we weren't going to change. And it all just happened at the right time. So it was actually easy because 
now we're saying, guys, you see what we're trying to get. And then so it was easier for them to buy in and, and it just kept rolling from there. So the next practice, they were we didn't have to get them ready for practice. They were like, coach, what do you want us to do? They're there early, right? At that point, they're bought in. It was like, coach, what do you want us to do? So there wasn't any more fighting anymore. And, and that was just a relief, man. It was, it was good. When you break that barrier as a coach, man, it's, it's, it's unreal. And it's a great feeling. You talk about the game being on TV. It still it still cracks me up. And this, even though it's not Bojangles, it's a competing uh, quick service restaurant. We'll mention them on the air. Rushes, okay, they do a great job. Uh, but so, <laughs> what what did I know? That's a big deal for for everybody. But what really does it mean for your kids to be on TV? Like it, I, I know I've seen it with our kids when we say the game's going to be on TV. It's just like almost like their eyes literally are now now they see stars in their eyes. It's like on TV? Like what? Like, so talk, t- tell us a little bit more about like what that means to your kids to be on TV like that. Oh man, I, I think it's great for them. You know, we, we were, you know, the whole time we were trying to get them not to think about being on TV. You know, it's, it's hard to do with the cameras everywhere, but um, you know, that just shows you, you know, th- those guys are really, and it, if you have any history, you know the history on something, man. Th- those guys aren't afraid of anything, you know. I, mm-hmm. you know. We can try to take a lot of credit as coaches, man, but, but man, those are some relentless kids, and, and and they're not they're not afraid of anything. And and at the end of the day, even though that we were on separate pages as and you know trying to work it out, they still play hard. You know, those kids are gonna always play hard. You know that that's just a tradition. That's something high. There's nothing that we did or anything that we instilled. You know, that's that's just. That's just something high. And it's just a bunch of athletes, you know, guys that that's going to work hard and and uh, and 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 protect, you know, you know the S. That's all. Yeah. Sometimes it's places like that. It's just it's like in the water, right? You know. Yeah, it's just in the water, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some hardworking kids. That I'm, I'm I'm just fortunate to be, you know, to, to be a part of. It. So, Coach, we like to end the podcast here with this question. Uh, if you've listened to any of the past episodes, if I ask kids that uh, I could tell your your players have a Coach Brown impersonation that they do when you're not around. <laughs> and when, when they do their Coach Brown impersonation, what's the one thing they say that you say over and over again? <sighs> It's always a tough one. This it is it's, it's yeah, a tough one. The podcast, you know, it's it's a yeah. Um, we've got some great answers, though. Goodness gracious, man! I got I got some good ones, man. But um, I think the one thing that I know that I instill in all my guys is is, is success is the only option. Failure is not an option. That that's just something that I know I preach every day, and I say it all the time. You know, I, I talk about success. And, and what it takes to be successful. And 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 they know I'm gonna give a speech. It's like when I start talking, <laughs> when I start talking, I think that's the one thing my kids gonna say. They're gonna be like, oh, here he goes. Like, <laughs> like you know, so they'll, they'll, they'll start putting their hands in the huddle. Like I'm in the middle of a conversation saying something and they'll all be getting their hands in. Like, come on, coach, let's get out of here. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, just 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 preaching, preaching, uh, you know, the rules of success. You know, and I'm going to give y'all the, the rules. You know, well, this is one thing that I believe in. I, I really want to say this real quick. Um, I believe that if you do things the right way, you'll be. To, and this is my rule for success. If you if you if you do things the right way, you know, if life, basketball, life, however you want to look at it. If you do things the right way, you're going to beat 50 percent of the people that you're that you're in competition against. All right. If if you work hard, you're going to beat another 20 percent. 
All right. And, and the most important, well, the thing that most people think is the most important thing, and I don't believe it's the most important thing. If you have skill and you're good at what you do and you're talented, you're going to be another 20 percent. That's 90 percent. You know, and, and, and if you can beat 90 percent of the people that you're in competition against, you know, who cares about the other team? You know, and, and that's how I kind of look at it. You know, let's do things the right way. Once you do things the right way, you're going to beat 50 percent of the people. And it doesn't matter if you're jump stopping and you're ball faking, you're taking care of the ball, and you're boxing out and you're rebound and you're doing all of the little things. You're doing things the right way. You're going to win 50 percent of your games. And then if you're willing to work hard at it, you know, you're going to be you're going to win 70 percent of your games. In my opinion, it's going to be another 20 percent. And then if, if, if you've got any talent and you're actually good at what you do, um, you're going to be another another 20 percent, which is going to be 90 percent. So you're going to win most of your games if you, if you do those things. And those are just the keys to success. And I'm doing it again right now. You know, this is yeah. what I do. And, and I just I'll just start. I preach success and what it takes to be successful. And, and, they, and they know that. And conversely, the other way is true. If you don't do the little things right, you won't be successful. You won't be successful. You can guarantee that. That's a guarantee. guarantee. <laughs> and that's a guarantee, Coach. You're absolutely right. Yeah, man. So I, I know that's what they were saying. Coach Brown talks a lot. And he preaches. <laughs> and he, he doesn't give us a break. Well, I, for one, enjoy it when you talk a lot. Because in 48 episodes – that might be one of my favorite rants on the greatest games podcast right there. I've written it down. I love coach. I love that so much. I've my, my, my follow-up question is when's your book coming out? Are you starting wrong? Please tell me you're working on a book. Cause that was, that was gold right there. I love it. Oh, man. I appreciate that, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. That was, that was, that was really good stuff. And it's, it's a reminder too, for me, like I've talked about this on the air a little bit, but you know, being a former cross country coach and not ever being a runner, like I knew, I knew what I knew and I knew to coach kids to, to run the right way, to train, to take care of their bodies, to stretch, to rest and do all that kind of stuff and to work hard. And then for a couple of those years, we had some talented runners, which there are talented runners. People used to give me a hard time like, oh, they just got to run fast. And other people like, no, there really is talent running too. But just like you said, just doing those things, 70% of the time we're going to be successful. I used to tell those kids all the time, like, I don't care about any trophies or anything like that. Just go out and anybody that goes out and runs 3.1 miles as hard as they can, they're totally okay with me, you know? And it's like what you're talking about is just working hard and and, and doing it the right way. And and if you have some talent to boot, that's that's great too. So I love it. Uh, You give me chills up here, coach. I love it. All right. Good deal. Well, Coach, we we can't thank you enough for for coming on the show and uh, uh, guest number forty eight on, on the little podcast that could and um, we just we just can't thank you enough for coming on here. We have to have you back for some other games as you keep rolling through Sumter. All right, all right, man. I appreciate you guys having me, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, well, for my co-host Chris De Blasio, I'm Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Greatest Games. <laughs>